Hey friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so glad you're here. Each week on this show, I invite a girlfriend to join me and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. Support for today's show comes from Just You Wait by Trisha Lott Williford. We all wait. We wait in line. We wait for coffee to drip. We wait for permission. We wait on a relationship to improve. We wait for clarity. We wait for freedom from addiction. We wait for hope and for healing and for miracles. And though sometimes silent, God is there through all of our waiting. If you want to wait well, read Just You Wait by Trisha Lott Williford. And be ready when opportunity finally arrives. Friends, welcome to the show today. You're listening to episode number 253 with my friend Stevie Essler of Built by Stevie. She's the owner of the female woodworking shop that is run by carpenters. Basically, it's an all-woman run and led and built and everything. It's women making the stuff at Built by Stevie. I love it. I know you're going to love this show, and I know you're going to love getting to know Stevie today as much as I loved meeting her for the first time when we sat down for this conversation. You guys, I'm still in Italy. I'm still eating gelato. I'm still drinking the wine. I'm still eating way too much cheese than one person should possibly eat in one day. And my kids are having the time of their lives at Pine Cove camps. You've heard me talk about them before. We're big fans of Pine Cove, you guys. And so my kids are there. I'm in Italy. But today... We're all listening to this conversation that I had with Stevie. Stevie and I talk about our shared love for road trip snacks, which is true, how while in college, she started a side job of assembling Ikea furniture. And had Stevie lived in the same city as the Ivies, we would have for sure hired her to assemble all of our Ikea furniture. She also started by installing ceiling fans. And these small jobs of building Ikea furniture and installing ceiling fans for her friends would eventually lead her to teaching herself how to build her own furniture. One of my favorite things about this conversation that we had today is that you're gonna hear Stevie mention a handful of times when a close friend offered a word of encouragement that helped her to step out in faith to begin her business and also to begin the healing that she had from years of sexual abuse that she endured as a child. Now, here's where I'm coming in to give you a little bit of a trigger warning, and I wanna do a better job about doing this. I also always want to say I am so honored to hold other people's stories so gently and share them with you in the hopes that you're going to see Jesus in the midst of them. That's what happened today when Stevie talked with me about the years that she endured sexual abuse. My prayer for every single show, and especially the shows that might be hard to listen to, is that we see Jesus in the midst of them. Also, I just want to let you know, if you ever feel as though it might be too much for you, girl, you just skip it. Go listen to a different show. It's okay. I want you to feel safe when you're listening to these shows. Don't stress about it for a second. My conversation with Stevie isn't about the details of her abuse, and we don't go into that, but we talk about what it looked like for her to walk towards healing and recovery and how that has happened over the past decade as Jesus has tenderly been with her through it all. You guys are seriously going to love this conversation. Okay, friends, I want to tell you about two things when we get to the show. First thing is we still have tickets available for Happy Hour Live on Friday night. And I might be overstepping my boundaries here, but if you love this interview with Stevie, 
I think she just might be at this happy hour live on Friday night. I'm serious. I think she's coming to hang out. So you'd get to meet her. But all that aside, happy hour live Friday night, August 16th. Go to jamieivy.com slash August happy hour. My guests on stage that night are Ruth, Joe Simons, and Rebecca Lyons, two women that you love and I love that have been on the show before. Happy hours are so much fun. The Happy Hour Live, it's here in Austin. There's dinner, there's drinks, there's shopping, there's goodie bags, there's a show on stage. It is so much fun. Seriously, if you're thinking about it, jump on that train and get there. Another thing I want to tell you about is the newsletter. Do you subscribe to the newsletter? Go to jamieivy.com slash newsletter. The newsletter comes into your inbox every single Wednesday, and it tells you who's on the show that week. It's just a little kind of behind-the-scenes update and telling you what we're going to talk about on the show. It's really great information. Also, whenever we have tickets go for sale on events, they usually come right there through your inbox. So check out Happy Hour Live Friday night. Check out the newsletter. But until then, here's my conversation with Stevie. Stevie. Yes. <laughs> Welcome to the happy hour. Hey, thanks. I'm so excited to be here. I'm in your town. Yes, Nashville, Tennessee. Why do some people call it Nash Vegas? Oh, God. Tourist? Okay. <laughs> this is not a hometown no, thing. No, 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 no. If you are a local Nashvillian, it's almost like, why Why did you just say that? That's weird. That's weird. Yeah. 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 Nashville. Just Nashville. How often have you been to the Ryman? Oh, man. Like too many times to count? Yeah. uh, I go like two or three times a year. If there's a really good concert that I really want to see that I know is worth it, because tickets are pricey, I go. If it's a band that I've seen a couple times, I don't care. I've never been. Oh, I know. You need to come back and go. I know, right? You need to come to at Christmas because at Christmas there's like the Andrew Peterson show, Amy Grant, and Vince. I love Andrew Peterson. Is this Behold the Lamb or am I thinking someone else? No, that's Behold the Lamb. Yeah, I've yeah. seen it, not here. I've seen yeah. it in Austin once. Okay, yeah. So it's, good. The rhyme, it's just magical. It really is. It's just magical. You have to go, you need to come. Like, okay. you need to come and try it out, so. Well, I would want to go see someone that I loved. Yeah, Johnny Swim was just here this past weekend. I saw that. And tons, I didn't realize it. I guess I did not pay attention because I had a ton of friends go and I didn't go. Whoops. But, I mean, it was Mother's Day weekend, so it's, I need to be with mom. Where'd you go? Where's your mama? Well, my parents are South Florida, okay. but my brother and sister-in-law and their three babies, who I am obsessed with, live in just north of Charlotte, North Carolina. So oh, it's a six-hour drive fast from my driveway to their driveway, one take of gas, one bathroom stop. I like how you measure road trips. Like how many times am I going to have to stop? Not how many <laughs> miles so or hours. I Yeah, I think I do that. I don't ever really. If it's over six hours, though, I honestly don't drive it. Like, well, that's a lie. I drive road trips for Built by Stevie uh-huh. all the time. But if it's to go see family and friends, if it's over six hours, nope. So, like, they used to live in Raleigh, and I drove one time. How many bathroom stops? Oh, More than gosh. one, obviously. I think I was so—it was a nine-hour drive. Yeah. And so, at that point, you're like, I'm tired. I'm, my body hurts. You've got to let—I drove with my dog, so I had to let her out a handful uh, of times. too much, yeah. So, it was the one time. And I was like, yep. No more. Do you have any day on a road trip that you do that you don't normally do in life? Yes. So I don't really eat at Chick-fil-A really ever, but I oh, eat I'm at Chick-fil-A. Sorry. I know. It's so good, but there's not really any close to me. Okay. And so on a road trip, there is one right on my way out. So I eat a Chick-fil-A on the way out. And then <laughs> I eat sour watermelons, like sour patch watermelons. Yeah. I eat those and drink Dr. Pepper the whole way. I love it. I mean, it's just my thing. <laughs> I love Diet Coke, but I don't drink it very often because mm-hmm. it's not good for you. Yep. No. But on a road trip, I yeah. need a fountain drink of Diet Coke. Yes. I'm going to need some sunflower seeds. Okay. Sunflower and I do seeds. sunflower seeds almost the whole, especially if I'm driving. Okay. Those are messy. No, you just, you get, you have your Diet Coke in your cup because yeah. you have the fountain. Okay. And then you have an empty water bottle that you drank earlier and you just spit in the water bottle. Okay. 
I turn into a very like trucker style driver. (laughs) (laughs) That's got. Do you think it's because? You have boys? Like, do your boys do that? Or did no, you do this prior? I did, oh, I've done this my whole life. Always. Okay. Or I get some corn nuts. I think I just need... Make, you need, like, the stimulation yeah, of, like, keeping you up. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It's so funny. I do sometimes do bubblicious gum, like watermelon, strawberry flavor. But, I mean, that only lasts literally for 20 minutes and the flavor is horrible. I was going to say, that's on a... That's, yes. That's like a... That's being oh, nice about it, yeah. But I... I did it yesterday. It was raining really bad on the way home. And so I actually was picking my nails yeah, because I was it was like the it. anxious. And I was like, put some gum in and just blow bubbles. And so that's literally what I did for like, I went through a five pack of bubble gum in about an hour. Yeah. Because it would get bad. Then I just, you know, toss it out and get a new piece. But I was just blowing bubbles. The whole to time. To try and like take my mind. Yeah. Well, because I kept on doing my fingers. Yeah. So... Okay, speaking of your hands. Yes. <laughs> Did you like that? I'm such a professional, CB. Welcome. Oh, thank you. Uh, look at this transition. Just guide me. Just don't take you on the road. You build things. I build things. I like legit build things with my hands. I want to hear about this because I'm so intrigued. And let me just, I'm going to brag on one of my kids real quick. Yeah, do. Because it's my show and I can okay, do that. Yeah, you can do whatever you want. One of my kids recently, we had all these scrap, the scrap wood from yeah. his bunk bed, right? Okay. That we were just going to throw away or burn, whatever. We live in mm-hmm. the country, we burn trash. And he took it and he had this idea that my husband had a broken wheelbarrow that didn't have the barrel on it anymore, yeah. just the wheel part. Mm-hmm. And so he was like, Dad, I have an idea. And so he took all of those slats and built a cart Amazing. Aaron helped him. Aaron did the saw, and Aaron. Yeah. But my son was out there putting the nails in and everything, and I was so proud of him. That's awesome. That's awesome. To even think like if I do this, this, and then put mm-hmm. sides up, and then he covered the wheels. I mean, it's so cool. Yeah. That's hey. You have to start out somewhere. My brother and I like. So I want to know where you started. Yeah. So my brother and I, growing up, lived in South Florida, and we used to skateboard and rollerblade and just like crazy outdoor kids. Never wore shoes. Unless mom was like, hey, put your shoes on yeah, because you're uh-huh. being crazy. Put a helmet on, you know. But Matt and I built grind rails and ramps, and we would go to this the library. This is a skateboard thing. Yeah, this, okay. this is like skateboard. And we would go to the library, and we would get a book on how to build, like, a skateboard ramp. And so we built one. And that was it. That was kind of, like, my beginning stages of, like, kind of building. I go to college, and I start assembling. Where'd you go to college? I went so to Florida can... State. Okay. So South Florida, from South Florida to Florida State, seven and a half hours. So I felt like I was, like, you're out of state. You're far away from home, yeah. Really far away from home, which I loved. Because I wanted to go to, like, Baylor. And my mom said, no. Yeah. Well, I want to go to Colorado State. My dad said, "Uh, will you go skiing on Monday? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yes, I will. And he goes, yeah, you're not going there. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. You're Florida never going to do school. <laughs> yeah, so Florida State it was. But I've been one of those people, like, show me how to do something, and I'm going to try and do it. And then I'm going to try and do it better and better and better each time. So I'm the person's like, hey, go to Ikea, buy furniture. I'll assemble it for you. And then I'm going to, like, time myself to try and, like, make it faster. Like, okay. just a weirdo like that. So I wanted a ceiling fan in my apartment, and one of my guy friends was like, hey, I'll show you how to install a ceiling fan, and then you can do it yourself. And I was like, okay, sure. So he shows me how to do a ceiling fan. Next thing I know, I'm making like 50 bucks a pop installing ceiling fans for friends. Well, that's a great job. Oh, yeah. And people would be like, there's no way you can do it. I'm like, sure can. Watch me. Watch me. <laughs> so then also I asked for a drill for Christmas that year. And I still think this is so funny. My mom got me tools. So my dad's not handy at all. My dad's like straight businessman would hire someone to flush the toilet for him. Is your mom handy? My mom is handy. Okay. And my mom's little. My mom's like 5'3", five, 5'4", five, little tiny southern blonde and she would move, like, furniture all around the house. She would just, like, lift up one end, put a towel under it, put a towel under the other, and, like, drag it. And my uh-huh. dad would come home, and everything would be rearranged, and she'd fix something. So mom's super handy. So mom gets me tools. They're in a gallon-size baggie. And then a Rubbermaid is what I had my tools in in college, which is just uh-huh. still so funny to yeah. me. 
And that's just kind of what I did in college. And that what was funny is I would do all this stuff. Friends would tell their moms or, you know, parents like, oh, yeah, Stevie helped me. So <laughs> all through college, one of my friends at graduation, her mom was like, oh, this is Stevie? I thought Stevie was a boy yeah. because she has assembled all of your furniture. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like, nope, just a girl. So table all of that for the next, like, eight, nine years. And I moved to Nashville, buy a house five and a half years ago, wanted to install hardwoods on my on the floors. What were you doing? You had a job. I had a job. I was working, actually, at Lululemon at the time. Okay. So I was working in, like, yeah. product on the management team there. And so, like, wearing stretchy athletic clothes, yeah. not, like, working right, with right. my, not actually working with my hands. So I buy this house. My uncle says, hey, if you want to install hardwoods, I'll show you how. It's really expensive if you hire someone. So, like, let me show you how. So he gives me his old miter saw. And what's funny is now it's like it was off by one degree, so nothing was like a perfect flat cut. Okay. But I didn't I didn't know. I mean, I didn't really know. And with hardwoods, it really doesn't matter because everything's cut to the end and you can cover it up. So no I big have deal. no idea what you're talking about, but yeah, go ahead. No yeah, big deal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I install hardwoods with the guy that I was dating at the time and like a couple other guy friends would come over and like help me on the weekends. And it took like about three weeks to get nine hundred square feet of hardwoods installed. So after living in my house for about four months, I was like, well, I have four bedrooms and I really need furniture. So I Googled how to build a headboard. I went to Home Depot and I asked like, hey, is there wood that I need to buy? And the guys helped me. They were so nice. I came back and I built, I didn't design it from the website. I kind of took like three different websites and made my own, but I had the measurements and I built it. And then it was like, that was easy. I bet I could build something else. So I built a desk, another headboard, a dining room table. And a that, desk? Did it have drawers? No drawers. Just okay. like a just like a straight up yeah, like yeah. desk. Very very simple. Like okay. super super simple. And then you built a table. The table. Oh, that I fractured my wrist doing because the drill was so strong it flung out and literally fra- I fractured my wrist. And this so, is in your spare time. This is in you're my spare still time. Wearing still lemons. Yes, wearing Lululemon okay. and like. <laughs> Yes, I'm wearing stretchy yoga pants. Were you wearing your Lululemons when you were building your dining room table? 100%. Yeah, of course. 100%. Because whenever you work there and you wear it all the time, you kind of like cycle out your clothes. Uh-huh. And so you have your yard clothes that are your, Lululemons. Your yard Lululemons yes. and then your work Lululemons. Which is sad because people would, you'd show, like, you show up somewhere and they're like, you're literally going to like a habitat house, build a habitat house. And they're like, wear old jeans. And I'm going to have like a pair of black Lululemons like, on. They're these like, these are old. Uh, <laughs> these are old. These are three years old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or three months. There's something right, new right. Something in there. So you start just by teaching yourself. I just taught myself. For your own house. For my own house. Yep. When was your first, like someone paid you money to build something for them? Oh, so a few months later, friends would come over to my house and they would see that I had built a you know, that I built a headboard. And so they're like, well, can you build me a headboard on the weekend? I'm like, sure. So I started building friends, like headboards. That's how it happened. And then I was working for another company. I had left Lulu. I was working for a startup company. Lost my job. I'd been there for nine months. Lost my job. And Is that startup company still around? They are still around, and they're doing super successful and super well. But okay. just what I was doing yeah, phased they out. Didn't need you. Yeah. yeah, they didn't need me anymore. So I was, I mean, to be totally honest, I was very depressed and very upset and like, heartbroken. Because you're out of a job. Mm -hmm. And I had just turned 32. My life didn't look like how I thought it was going to look. Like, I thought this was the dream job. I'd probably get married that year because I was dating a guy. I mean, it was just kind of one of those, like, life never looks like how we think it was. We think it is, you know, in our dreams and whatnot. So after about a month of depression and anxiety and just literally every friend who had a baby, I would say, hey, do you want to go on a walk? Do you want to go on a walk? Do you want to go on a walk? 
so much so that my best friend was like, hey, I love you dearly. And she had just had baby, she was about to have baby number two. And she goes, listen, you can't keep on going on walks and you can't, you can only paddleboard, you know, so many days a week. You got to do something. And I was like, well, I don't know what I want to do. And she goes, well, you build furniture. Why don't you just build furniture? She spoke that to you? She spoke that to me. She said, build furniture until you find a job. And so on August 20th of 2015, I posted on social media, hey, friends, Stevie Essler is still doing Stevie Essler on Instagram, but I now have another Instagram called Built by Stevie. And so if you want anything, I'd love to build it for you. And, and that, that was, was it. That was it. And that and was what year did you say? 2015. So it'll be four years coming up in August. Jeez. Yes. And so, yeah, that was it. I want to talk about starting your small business. Mm-hmm. And you talked about that month where you were in between. Mm-hmm. You got laid off. You don't know what you're going to do. Yeah. You're just taking long walks and paddle boarding and totally. being yep. depressed. Had you struggled with depression before? Yes. Um, I, I think I've always had depression. Uh-huh. I think depression has been one of those things that's like come in and out of my life. And then a couple years prior to that, I'm still active, but I'm not as crazy active as I used to be. But I used to be this like soccer player, snow skier, snowboarder, and I have had four knee surgeries. Okay. And so I had had my second knee surgery two years prior to me getting let go of my job. That second knee surgery, like, it really wiped me out. And my counselor had actually said, like, hey, I think you're depressed, Uh and I think you probably should go on medicine just to, like, equal yourself out because at that last knee surgery, I wasn't able to work out how I had always worked out before and depression. I mean, yeah. like my endorphins were literally uh-huh. not getting worked out. And so I was on the smallest dose of, I think, solidopran or something yeah. like that. But yeah, so I was taking that daily. But of course, you know, it's like that only helps so much. And so it's yeah. for me now, I go to the gym two or three times a week and I literally hop on the elliptical or the bike for 30 minutes. Yeah. It's 30 minutes. Um, I listen to worship music. I don't listen to a book. I don't read. I just listen to worship music. You know what you need. Mm -hmm. I always love hearing people who open up about this time in their life when they have walked through depression. And two things always stand out to me. Number one is that you had a friend that was bold enough to say something. And Mm -hmm. number two, you were willing to listen. Yes. And I think sometimes those things happen not at the right time. Mm -hmm. So someone might be bold enough to say something, but someone's not ready to listen. Totally. And so the fact that God aligned it where your friend was like, hey, listen. Yeah. You need to do something. And And that you were in a state of mind where you could go... She's not being mean to me. Mm-hmm. She's my friend. She wants the best for me. Yeah. Okay. Yep. She might be right. Yeah. And my best friend has literally walked through some of the hardest part of my life with me. The last, man, we met, it will be 12 years in September that we met at grad school. And ever since then, like, she's my ride or die. Yeah. Bell is my, literally uh-huh. my ride or and die. And she's the one that spoke that to you. Yes. So who was your first table? Would you build the table? No. My first thing is built by Stevie. What did I build? Oh, I built a bench seat, okay. like a window seat. Yeah. I built a lot of headboards, like a lot of headboards. And you were designing them yourself. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then it's called like the Simple Rustic. It's still one of my like go-tos that I still do. I don't do near amount as what I used to do. But I mean, we're talking like two or three a month I used to do. Now, built-ins are what I do. And so, I mean, I still do furniture, but it wasn't the amount, you know. Custom built-ins. Custom like you're going to someone's house and working on site? Yeah. Or you build it in your place? Well, both. We go take measurements. We build at the shop. And then we come and install. And then we trim out at the house. So. I need someone like you in my Austin area. Hey, I come to Texas. I know. Come on. Um, <laughs> I need custom built-ins all over my house. But, okay, so now here's something that I want to ask you about as well yeah. is, am I right that you only have women working in your shop? I only have. Yeah, I'm an all-female-run woodworking business. It's Do you crazy. know of any other? 
I know of one other group of girls, the Builder Chicks, and they're up in D.C. Okay. And it's two girls. They're actually coming down in June to, like, hang out and ask me a lot of questions. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I've had guys. Don't get me wrong. Like, my uncle literally So did you start me. out saying, hey, I want this to be a girl-run shop no, or what? No, like, four years ago, it was just me. And then I knew I was busy. I hired my buddy Josh um, because he had been doing construction work, and he's in the music industry, and he did a job. So Josh came and worked for me. Another girlfriend came and worked for me who was a singer-songwriter. And then my uncle was retired, and he said, hey, I'm bored. Why don't I? This is the same uncle who gave me the saw. Uh He was like, I could come and help you. And I was like, okay, cool. So he comes and helps me. We were so busy in my, like, two-car garage that I had to have rewired for electricity because I kept on blowing out my house. Um, just like funny things, yeah. like funny things that you never think of. Well, because you didn't plan on starting a business. No, You're like, never. hey, I need some money. Yep. Here's my side gig. Yeah. My uncle found my current shop. He helped me set up my current shop. He worked for me for about a year. And then he left for an amazing job opportunity for him. And whenever he left, I had a girl intern and I had a girl summer staff. And after four and a half months with them, I was like, you know what? This is really fun. Yeah. Just having girls. Yeah. And so that's whenever I decided, you know what? I'm going to be an all-female woodworking company. It kind of sets so you apart as well. It sets me apart. And it's, you know, it's like I don't, I'm not opposed to having guys work for me. But right now, this is where I want to be. And I really love that I get to train girls. And I've had a lot of a lot of girls who didn't really know what they were doing. And I literally trained them on how to be a woodworker. My current full-time girl came to me out of the blue, praise the Lord. She reached out to me, and she had gone to the Seattle School of Woodworking and Cabinetry. And so she's like my first girl who, like, she probably knows more than I do. Let's be real. <laughs> she went to, you might have a graduate degree, but I didn't hear you go to Seattle Woodworking nope. School. Nope, school. Nope. Yeah, <laughs> Sure did it. So, yeah, so Darren, Darren knows a lot of stuff. I've been trial and error. And so there's things that she's like, oh, I never even considered doing it mm-hmm. that way. Yeah. So she, we're definitely learning from each other. She's been with me for three and a half weeks, and already it's been such a game changer. So, so you're running Built by Stevie. Mm-hmm. Um, you went through this season, lost your job from the startup, yep. depression. Your girlfriend says to you, hey, this is what you need to do. You mm-hmm. start taking orders on the side. Next thing yep. you know, you have a business. I have a you business. Get your uncle gets you a place, all those kind of things. Mm-hmm. Running your own business has to be dreamy and fabulous, right? Oh, my goodness. It's all flowers and giggles. Man, it is one of the hardest things I've ever done in my entire life. Literally, it is. It's harder than any job I've ever had. And I thought I had hard jobs before. Yeah. No, no. There have legit been sleepless nights. There have been nights when I have cried into my pillow and just like literally laying there, my pillow is soaking wet because I'm stressed of where's the money going to come from? Mm -hmm. I have staff to pay. Can I pay my mortgage? Can I pay my rent at my shop? Do I have enough business? And what's crazy is that every single time I would start stressing and I would start fretting, like within like 24 to 48 hours, the Lord would show up in crazy ways. Yeah. I would open up my email and there would be five new orders. Yeah. I'd get off the phone. I, my dad's a financial advisor. I am totally a daddy's girl. At 36, my dad still calls me little girl and it makes Aww. it just like it's the sweetest yeah. thing ever. He's, yeah, hey, little girl, always answers his phone. Like if I call, he answers his phone. Like yeah. he was on stage. That's kind of crazy. He was on stage teaching a seminar maybe six, seven years ago. I call just because I'm calling to, like, check in and say hi. He answered the phone? He answered the phone. He goes, hey, little girl, are you okay? And I go, yeah, Dad, I'm fine. I'm just calling to check in. He goes, oh, okay. I just want to make sure you're okay. Um, I'm on stage teaching a seminar to a couple thousand people right now. (laughs) 
I'll call you back later. I was like, okay, love you. I mean, what? Like, that's my, crazy. So my kids will not have that same story. They're like, oh my mom gosh. did not answer her phone when she was out of town. My, well, my brother laughs because he'll, he'll call my dad. And, and my he dad doesn't wanna, get the yes. same reaction. Yeah. So he's like, hey, will you call dad? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I need to talk to him. Yeah. Um, but anyways, I would call my dad and I would I would be crying. And dad, I don't know if I'm going to make it. And, and I will say my parents helped me out financially. There was, I mean, because there was a couple months where I'm launching the business and I, you know, just bought $3,000 worth of equipment. Yeah, it takes money to start yes, a business. It, yes, yeah. especially in like woodworking industry, man, the equipment is expensive. It's yeah. not like, here's a $50 drill. You got to right. buy like the $300 drill for things to like actually last. You don't yeah. have to replace the $50 drill. Yeah. And so, you know, I would, I would have just spent everything that I made, I would have just like maybe paid my mortgage. Actually, I wouldn't even pay my mortgage. I would have bought another piece of equipment. Yeah. And then it would be stressful. And I'd say, Dad, I need some help. And my dad would help me out, you know, yeah. here and there, which was such a huge blessing. But yeah, it was, it has been so insanely stressful yeah. to launch a business. I'm sure there's been times too, because you never set out to launch this business. Mm-mm. So it's not like you had a business plan. It's not like you laid up at night thinking, if I could only make yeah. furniture for a mm-hmm. living, it just kind of happened yeah. to fill a need. Yep. So I want to know, have you always felt like you feel now, like, I love this, I want to do this, or even in the stress? Because my question is because this wasn't your dream. Right. Yeah. Right? It wasn't my dream job. Now it no, is my dream exactly, job. Exactly. But yeah. it wasn't your dream job. Yep. And I think it's so important for people to mm-hmm. hear that as well, to think sometimes things happen Yeah. and you get into something and you feel like, I don't know if this is going to work. And it ends up being the greatest blessing that you oh, could have ever absolutely. imagined. Absolutely. But your brain would have never thought no. seven years ago. Oh, no. I mean, I'm going to even go out on a limb at even four years ago. Because it was about this time four years ago that I lost my job. So even about this time four years ago, if you had said, hey, Stevie, in four years, you're going to be running an all-female woodworking business, I would have laughed and right. probably walked out of yeah. the room and been like, nope, that's my side hustle. Uh-huh. I like to build on this on the weekends, on, yeah. you know, but I would have never said it was full-time. Yeah. So, we, yeah, we just have no idea what the future is going to hold. So. I've been thinking a lot lately about how sometimes we can get really confused with what we're supposed to be doing with our life. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you just need to look around and see, like, where are my talents? Where's mm-hmm. God put me? What am I supposed to do with this? Yeah. And then you just start, like, step by step, day by day. And next thing you know, you go, you look up and go, oh, look, I'm doing this. Yeah. This oh, is gosh, happening. Yeah. Yep. And that's an encouragement to people. Oh, 100%. It, what's crazy is out of me now running an all-female woodworking business, especially in the last two and a half years, I have had so many women come out of the woodwork and ask me, wait, how did you do this? Like, I'm a DIYer. Do you think I can go full-time? And I tell everyone, I'm like, yeah, you can. You t- you can do anything you want, but you 100% can go full-time. You're just going to have to work your butt off. Yeah. And it's going to be really hard. Yeah. And there's going to be a lot of nights where you cry. A couple of the girls who I kind of like mentor, they're married. And so they've got it even better than I do because they have an extra they have, income. They have income. They have extra income. Yeah. So it's like, hey, you know what? I might not be able to pay a mortgage this month, but my spouse can pick up the mortgage right. this month. Yeah. Where for me, I'm solo. Yeah. And so that's where a lot more of my stress has come in from. I mean, that's where I've just been, you know, I've been very thankful for a dad who has been able to help me out yeah. on, because there were, there were times when it was like, it'd be feast and then it would be complete famine. Yeah. And in those famine moments, those were the moments. I mean, in the feast, there was even still crying yeah. and, like, stress because yeah. I knew a famine would come. Uh-huh. But now I'm booked out. Oh, Lord. I'm booked out 12 to 14 weeks booked out on jobs right now. Yeah. So That's good. It's awesome. It's a huge blessing. And you deliver? We deliver. Yeah. Okay. My biggest trip 
was to New York City. Wow. So took the work van up to New York City. I had some good friends from college that they've got three little kids. They live in, I mean, literally in New York City. Uh-huh. They needed a queen-size bunk loft that they could not find anywhere. Yeah. And so, yeah, they I built it in the shop, and then I drove it up to New York, and I assembled it for them because all three of their kids, and they're pregnant with number four, so I have no idea. I'm probably about to build something else for them. Yeah, you are. Um, all three kids sleep in the rooms. The two girls sleep in the loft up, you know, like uh-huh. on the loft, and then it's like a play area below where their princess dresses. And, I love it. Yep, and their little their little guy sleeps in a crib. In the you got to think those kind of ways when you have a place in New York City with you four kids. That's to. crazy. Um, have you heard of Neighbors Table? Oh, Sarah Harmeyer is okay. a good friend of mine. Are you serious? Yes, Sarah Harmeyer was one of my like first. She was like my first boss. Yes, this is stop it. Yes, so I graduated from college and went straight out to Houston and worked at Second Baptist. Yeah. And I was doing high school girls ministry, and Sarah was Robert Hurley's assistant at the time. And so Sarah was kind of my, so this my is boss before she worked for, for Neighbors Table and every for St. Jude. I mean, Jude. for St. Jude, yeah. yeah. So this is literally 2006. So what wow. we're going back—that's 13 years ago. Yeah. Oh gosh. Okay, not 11 years ago. 13. So Sarah's years ago. a friend of mine. She's been on the show. Love Sarah. Love what I've Neighbors Table is doing. Show. Good. <laughs> I was gonna say I should connect y'all, but you don't need oh, yeah. to connect in anything. Sarah and I talk pretty regularly. Whenever she was buying equipment for the shop uh-huh. for her shop. Yeah. She called me, and we like we talk a lot. We do a lot of business talk. Uh, oh, I mean, we're good friends, but we also yeah. talk a lot of business. And then when she is ever driving through Nashville, she and her dad have stayed at the house. She oh, she stayed it. at the house. She and a friend have stayed at the house. So love yeah. that connection. I love her. She's such. A, I mean, I love Neighbor Stable. That is one of the coolest things. Isn't it great? Oh yeah, I it's love such it so a cool, much. Cool yeah, thing. yeah, it's great. Okay, I want to switch gears with us talk for a little bit. Yeah, you mentioned something to me that I think is important to talk about. Yeah, it's important to talk about. As adults, Mm -hmm. it's important to talk about as if a mama is listening. It's important to talk about if someone's listening who has the same experience as Mm -hmm. you. And so you mentioned some sexual abuse. Yeah. In your younger into teenage years. Yes. By a neighbor. By a neighbor. Talk me through what this looked like for you. Yeah. So I was sexually abused by a next door neighbor who's just five years older than I am. And I thought it had started at 10. And then whenever I really got into counseling about eight years ago, we started going back through memories, and we realized it actually had started at eight. And then it stopped at 13. Because he moved or you moved? or this is – oh, the gosh, this is so crazy. This is so the Lord. So I was at a Christian sports camp that summer in 96. They did this, like, crosswalk tour, and it was a purity talk. Uh And at this point, I thought he and I were in a relationship. I really did. I'm, I'm 13. He's 18. Yeah, looking back, I'm like, I didn't even realize how old he was. You yeah. Know? Anyways, I heard that, and I came back home, and I was like, we can't hang out anymore. And that's all I said, and it never happened again. Wow. It never happened again. Okay, friends, I no doubt know that you're loving my conversation with Stevie, but I want to take a moment to thank our sponsors who make the happy hour happen. First, I want to thank Lola. If we care about the ingredients in the food that we eat, which we do, we talk about it here, and the beauty products that we use, we do, why shouldn't the same be true of our feminine care products? Did you know that the FDA does not require brands to disclose a comprehensive list of ingredients in their feminine care products? So obviously, most of them don't. Lola offers complete transparency about the ingredients found in their tampons, pads, liners, and wipes, all of which are 100% organic cotton with no added chemicals, fragrances, synthetics, or dyes. I told you my favorite thing about Lola, besides the fact that it's 100% organic cotton with no added anything, is that they deliver straight to your door and that you can change or you can skip or you can cancel. And when my hormones are going crazy, sometimes I need to change how much of certain products that I am getting. 
Right now, you guys, for my listeners, they're going to give you 40% off all subscriptions. Visit mylola, that's L-O-L-A, dot com and enter happy hour 40 when you subscribe. That's mylola.com and enter the code happy hour 40 for 40% off your subscriptions. It's amazing. Go guys and check it out. Okay, friends, I want to thank another sponsor for today's show, and that is Zip Recruiter. I don't know if you've ever had to hire someone, but sometimes hiring can be challenging. It's hard to find qualified candidates. It takes a long time. There's probably too many applicants that you have to weed through to get to the best one. But I want to tell you, there's one place that you can go where hiring is simple, it's fast, and it's smart. A place where growing businesses connect to qualified candidates, and that place is ZipRecruiter.com slash HH. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards. But they don't stop there, you guys. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. Right now, my listeners, which is you guys, you can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address. Here it is, ZipRecruiter.com slash HH. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash HH. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Now, I want you to go back to eight, Mm -hmm. and I don't need you to give me any details you don't want to know, but I want to know, because you also told me you have a phenomenal family. I have an amazing, you have an amazing, amazing family. family. Yeah, and I think there is this kind of misconception mm-hmm. that something like this could never enter yeah. into an amazing family. And so, walk me through that. Yeah, and then I also want you to touch on how your parents have walked through this as well. Totally, as a mama. Yeah, I want to hear that. Absolutely. So, take me back. Just talk about your healing. Talk about yeah, whatever you want to talk about. My healing has been. A re- it was a re- it's been a really long road because I'm 36 now, so started at eight, stopped at 13, and at eight he would have been how old? He would have been 13. Okay, so and I yeah I come from an amazing amazing Christian family. My mom is a local Christian speaker and author and is very very well known in South Florida. My mom I literally bragging on my mom that woman knows the Bible better than I would say 99% of pastors that yeah. get up and teach on Sunday mornings. Mm-hmm. It was nothing for my mom to I mean every every day her Bible was out on her countertop in the kitchen and she was just reading through. Yeah. BSF leader, moms and she started a ministry mom, moms on a mission. I mean my mom is just she's a freaking rock star. Yeah. And my dad is he gets up in the morning, he goes and works out, he comes back and he has a quiet time and he's out of the house by like 6.30. Yeah. And like on the board for CBMC, Christian Businessmen's Committee, I mean, that will forever be his ministry and he is constantly bringing people to the Lord. And just, man lives with so much integrity, it's insane. So yes, I have this amazing, amazing family and I think that's one of the hardest things that's been for me was that something so horrible happened to me and then on the flip side, I have this amazing family. Yeah. So, so like back whenever it stopped at 13, I did not tell a soul. No one knew until I was 16 and I got in a fight with a friend. I don't know why, but I said it to her. I told her. She told her mom. Um, her mom worked at my school. And so her mom was like, we need to talk to your parents because you're 16. And I said, no, no way. And so, well, she said, yeah, right. And I will never forget. I will, I will, this is one of those memories I will never forget. But I had been babysitting on a Friday night. 
I came home. I went in and told my parents, like, hey, I'm home. I'm going to go read. I was maybe in my bedroom, in my bed, reading for about 30 minutes. My mom walked in. She opened the door. And the look on her face, I knew right away. I was like, she knows. Yeah. She knows. And she asked, you know, why? Why did you not tell us? Oh, Stevie. Oh, Stevie. You know. And then it's crazy because I don't – we – now I can know I put this into PTSD. And so it's like I I blacked out so many of these memories that I didn't – I didn't want to talk about it. I didn't want to think about it. And so I just, I blocked it out or I yelled. Um, I didn't, I had no idea how much I yelled, but my mom's like, Stevie, you were a yeller. Like you would straight up yell and just run out of the room because I didn't want to talk about it. So my parents, my parents did their due diligence and they talked to a couple Christian counselors and there was a Christian child sex specialist in South Florida. So they, they picked me up from school one day. We went. Let's say that my dad pretty much carried me I was going to say, you, I bet you yeah. weren't happy about uh-huh. it since you didn't nope. want to talk about it. Nope. Dad pretty much carried me in. I sat there with my arms folded, and I told the counselor everything. And I'm pretty sure it was three times. And on the third time, he was like, hey, Stevie, I want to talk to your mom. So I left, and I'm out in the waiting room. And it's like, I will never forget because it's like there were kid toys. And I felt so old. Yeah. Like, this is childish. I don't need to be here. But he told my mom. He was like, don't bring her back. He's like, she is on the fence, and if we push her too hard, you could lose your daughter. Like, she is so mad, and she's so angry, and if we push her too hard, we could push her the wrong way. You were mad about what? Oh, everything. Everything. I was, no joke, a pathological liar, probably from eight, maybe until 16. Because you're protecting? I was protecting myself. Um, if I did not feel safe, so inside my family wall, so there's, I feel like I had two lives. I had a life inside my family wall. And inside that family wall, I was very safe and I was protected. And out, as soon as I left the confines of my family, if I did not feel safe, I overcompensated. And so I might lie. I would show off. I was loud. And yeah, just not me. Like, yeah. not me. But uh-huh. at the same time, everyone outside this, the family wall, they saw that and they thought that was me. Right. So it's like even now, if, you know, I have friends and family who are listening to this, they're going to be a light bulb is literally going to go off in their head. And they're like, whoa, what? We had no idea. Yeah. Be- not that I have been closed tight with my story, but I didn't know how to talk about my story until my- till many, many, many yeah. years later. You said you had this after counseling. Yes, I have BC, before BC, counseling, my yeah. BC, my before counseling life. So back into like counseling. So I did not go. I thought it was the pink elephant in the room because we never talked about it. But I didn't know. I had blacked it out. I had blacked out not wanting to go to counseling. So my parents just, they loved me really, really well, and they were there for me. I didn't talk about it. I didn't, literally didn't talk about it. I go to grad school, and a stipulation for me to stay into the grad school program was that I needed to go to counseling because I needed to deal with this. Stipulation from your parents? No, from like the people at the at the grad school program. Okay. I just I had like a I had a rebellious heart, like a rebellious spirit. Literally, I've always been like, I'm going to push the envelope as far as I possibly can. Um, I'm going to stretch that rubber band so until it breaks. But I always it's like I always stay within the lines of obedience. But I will stretch it uh-huh. as far as I possibly can. Yeah. And so they were like, you got to go. So I. <laughs> I was supposed to go 10 times. I went three times. I would just go driving on Tuesday nights. I was supposed to go on Tuesday nights. So I went like one or two times. The counselor had given me a book to read. And here's what's crazy. I knew what had happened to me when I was younger. You know, at the time, I hate, I honestly, I really hate the word like molestation, but that's the word that everyone uses. Um, I prefer sexual abuse. And so, but I knew that I had been molested by someone that was not, that should have never have touched me. Yeah. 
And so I read about it in high school and college. I read books on it because I wanted to know what had happened to me and why it had happened to me. Now I know from my counselor that I had my mind and my heart were not connected. And so at eight, whenever I was first sexually abused, the ties between my heart and my mind were severed. Mm. And so I functioned in two different entities. I functioned in complete mind, um, super intellectual. I wanted to know everything. I mean, constantly reading, constantly wanting to know knowledge. Not a lot of deep knowledge, but I wanted to know surface knowledge. I mean, I wanted to know everything, literally. Or I was very emotional and so sad and like, so I was just, it was literally one or the other. And my good friends, they didn't know which person they were going to get sometimes. So the counselor in grad school gave me this book. And I was like, I've already read this. I read this when I was like 15. Well, (laughs) she didn't like that because I wasn't going to reread it. And so I, for the next probably like six or seven Tuesdays, I just would go driving. Like I would go Uh through Sonic and get a Dr. Pepper and just drive for like an hour and then I'd pull back up, and my friends would say, how was counseling? I'm like, it was great. And that was it. Wow. Um, and then I went, like, one more time, and that was it. So I moved to Nashville eight and a half years ago, and my best friend who had told me, you know, backtracking to, like, woodworking, she and her husband had just gotten married, which is kind of the reason why I moved to Nashville because I was they got married on New Year's Eve, and I was like, this is the best place, so I just did it. We're sitting actually at Rose Pepper eating Mexican food, and we're at a big group for a birthday party, and Mel is sitting next to me, and they had raved about their counselor, like raved about their premarital and, um, yeah, their pre-engagement and premarital counseling. And I tapped her, and I said, hey, can I get KK's phone number? And she looked at me. She goes, well, why? I was like, well, I think I'm ready to go to counseling. Oh, Jamie, the look on her face. Did she know? She did she know about the yes, sexual she abuse? Did. Okay. So I had kind of shared with like my good friends. I shared, but I shared in like a weird way. Cause it was like I didn't it's like I felt like I needed to tell people, but I don't know why I needed to tell yeah. people. But it was just like I want people to know me. And so I I would just tell them. Yeah. So she looks at me and she said, Are you serious right now? And I was like, I am. And she goes, and then she starts crying. And I was like, wait, why are you crying? And she's like, because for the last four years, I have been praying for you to go to counseling. And she goes, I just, it's it's time. Like, it's time. Uh And so I called that one counselor. They couldn't see me. She sent me to another amazing female, Anne-Marie, who I now still see. And, yeah, so I've been in counseling for eight years. Like, eight years. Yeah. And so that very first year that I went, I went sometimes like twice a week because we were unpacking so much. Because at this point, I am 28 years old. And so we're going back to 20 years that sexual abuse had started. And we're going back to, what, 15 years that it had stopped. Yeah. And so that's a lot. That's a long time to not process, to not think about. And so there was a lot of unpacking. And it had been about maybe seven, six or seven months. And my counselor said, hey, Stevie, I need to tell you something. I was like, okay, gosh, you know, I'm nervous. What are you going to tell me? And she goes, you have PTSD. And I kind of like sat back on the couch and I was like, but what? That's for like soldiers. And she goes, and sexual abuse victims. And I was like, okay, well, what do I do with that? Like, you you just, and she's like, you know what? There's another type of counseling that I really want you to go to, and it's called EMDR. And here's why I love my counselor so much because she knew me. And because at this point, we are literally seeing each other twice a week for, you know, six months. She goes, Stevie, do not go home and look up EMDR. She goes, I need you to trust me that this is what you need. She goes, there's a specialist here in Nashville that is literally one of the top specialists in the country for EMDR counseling. And I would really like you to go. She and I work hand in hand. You'll go a handful of times. And we will then talk. We, you and I will break it down later in counseling. 
And I said, okay. So at this point, my parents have no idea that I'm going to counseling because I have made this decision as a 28-year-old. I'm paying for it. So I call the EMDR counselor. And the price was... And you're like, I'm going to need daddy to help me with this. uh, (laughs) Oh, my goodness. So I call my parents. And I say, hey, I'm going to counseling. And I've been going to counseling for six months. And I really need y'all's help. And my mom... I think started crying on the phone and she said, okay, absolutely. What do you need from us? And we will help you yeah. out. From right then, it was like, wow, my parents are legitimately on my side. Yeah. And even at 28, I was like, they're there for me. Yeah. Like they are still here for me. And so went to EMDR and it was the most, oh, life-changing thing I've ever experienced. Yeah. Because I always tell people I had, I, I had a screen. I had a screen that played in my mind every single day for the last 20 years. And I had learned to go around the screen, go over the screen, but the screen still played. It still played. And the EMDR counseling, we were able to mo- remove those memories. And I mean, they're still there. I, they can, they'll pop up every now and then, but I chose a black tarp to throw over <laughs> my memories yeah. and they're in the back of my mind with a black tarp over them. Yeah. So I love it. I have heard many people who've been through traumatic experiences mm-hmm. use EMDR and get phenomenal results. Oh, so it's a blessing. I want to ask you a couple questions. Yeah. Just ask someone who's listening who I'm going to do three different questions. Yes. Bring it. I'll start with this one. Someone's listening mm-hmm. and they're having these feelings of I have parts of this in my story. Mm-hmm. Never told anyone. I've never dealt with it. It took you a long time to want to deal with it. Yeah. So that makes me anxious mm-hmm. because I want to. Yeah, you want healing right away. Right now. Yeah. Like, why are we waiting? What are we doing, Stevie? Mm -hmm. Why are we waiting? Yeah. What is your encouragement to someone who is now hearing this going, I think I need to go see a counselor? Yeah. It's crazy because I had this experience happen to me. I shared my story um, last April, and there was a woman sitting there who was 10 years older than I am, and it had happened when she was young, and she had never told her husband. Right. She'd been married for 20-something years and never told her husband. She and I talked, and I told her, listen, I go, number one, if you are married, you tell you tell your husband. Like you have hidden that secret for that long, you got to tell your husband. Number two, you go find a counselor, find a Christian counselor because you need to unpack that stuff. And some of the heart, the hardest thing that you are going to deal with is wondering why the Lord let this happen in your life. And oh man, it's you're going to be angry. You will probably fall out of love with the Lord for a season. I did a couple times. And my friends are the ones and my family are the ones who showed me Jesus's love. And I literally fell back in love with yeah. the Lord. Um, but yeah, number one, you got to tell someone. If you have not told anyone ever before, you tell your spouse. If you can't tell your spouse or your spouse, if you're not married, you tell your best friend. Yeah. But you find someone and you say tell it out that loud. person. You say it out loud. And it doesn't need to be neat. It doesn't need to be, it needs to be messy. Like yeah. even it's just, even if it's, hey, I was sexually abused by an uncle, a yeah. neighbor, a friend, whatever, you just say it. Yeah. And then number two, you go find a Christian counselor and do your due diligence. Like you might not find an amazing counselor that very first time. Like yeah. you might have to go two or three times to find someone that's going to work for you. And that's that. totally yeah. fine. I was so fortunate that Anne-Marie and I clicked right away. Yeah. Otherwise, I probably, well, I mean, okay, look at look at the fact that I went to a counselor when I was 16. Yeah. It didn't work. I went to a counselor when I was 23. Did not work. Right. But at 28, it worked. Yeah. So yeah, it's one of those things like you definitely have to, you got to find someone yeah. and then you have to have a circle of friends, not just like your counselor, not your, not, and your best friend. I would say you need a minimum of three people in your life that know your story that are going to love you because as you unpack for the next six months of deep impact of deep, like unpacking, you're going to need those people yeah. because you're going to leave counseling and you're going to need to talk to someone. 
And this is my biggest advice. Don't hold back because once you we – tr- we always try and guard ourselves yeah, yeah. with people. And that was the one thing my counselor was like, you're holding back from people. You're uh-huh. holding back telling your story. You're holding back. You're not giving them room to say, no, I can't handle this or, yes, I can handle this. And so I would only tell b- bits and pieces. Yeah. And you know what? At the end of the day, I can share my story. It's on someone else. It's on that person that's listening to say, hey, Stevie, I can't take anymore. Right. And then that's fine. I I know. It's I'm a like, lot. You know what? That's a lot. Yeah. And that's okay. And I still love you dearly and thanks for being a good friend to me. But I just know that that person can't handle it. Yeah. So that's totally fine. Yeah. But yeah, you have to have a group of people that are surrounding you that are going to love you, encourage you, and that literally are going to probably lay on the bathroom floor with you and cry yeah, yeah. because there are going to be moments that that's yeah. going to happen. Yeah, because you leave counseling, you feel like you just got beat up. Oh, geez. Yeah. I, you, my counselor was like, hey, don't drink. Yeah. Li- that was her thing. Uh-huh. She was like, you are probably going to want to go home and have uh-huh. a beer, have but a it bourbon. Will turn into yep. too much. Yeah. Yep. Okay, my next question for you mm-hmm. is as a mama mm-hmm. who I hear your story, and, you know, this is like, gah, in our top five worst fears for our kids, right? Mm-hmm. Is that they would be sexually abused. Seems to be way more common. Maybe it's just more knowledgeable. It's more knowledgeable. You know, that's why maybe that's a better way to say it. But, and you may not have an answer for this, but I'm just wondering what was it that kept you from telling your parents? Absolutely. Actually, I get asked that a lot whenever I do share. Uh And mamas are always like, wait, why? (laughs) Why didn't you share? And my mom asked the same question. Why did you not tell us? I'll tell you why. Because it was a secret. And between you and the guy, between me and the guy, and, and he you had said discussed it. it as a secret. This is our he, secret. Yeah, yeah, he said it a lot. Like this is our secret. This is our secret. This is our secret. And at eight, you're groomed and you're yeah. young, uh-huh. and you don't, kn- yeah. you know, someone tells you something, and and here's the thing: my family was open. Like we talked about yeah. stuff, you know, and so. But I think it had been grooming for sure for, for a good few years that uh-huh. I just, I knew it was a secret. Yeah. And so, yeah, it was a secret yeah. and a secret and a secret. Yeah. And so I just, you didn't, I just didn't say anything. Yeah. I did not say anything. My next question is this, how has it been for your parents walking through this? Yeah. Um, my parents are amazing. Uh-huh. So whenever I did start going to counseling and we really started talking about it and I went home, I went back to South Because Florida. they had to deal with some guilt. They had to do. Yeah. And I, and I told, you know, I was like, mom, she just she asked a lot of like why how and I will I but I will say it is still really hard for my mom and I to talk about I can talk, I can imagine yeah it's because I you know it's at the same time I do want to protect my mom a little bit because I love her so much and she and my dad were such great parents and yeah. so they feel guilty I feel guilty like there's a whole like guilt trip all yeah. around yeah. I didn't tell my brother until two years ago I had been in counseling wow. for six years yeah and my brother was the one person in my life my best friends knew yeah. I had shared on stage at a women's event, yeah. like, but my brother did not know. Yeah. And so, but my brother is married and they've got kids. And so it's a package deal now. My sister-in-law is one of my closest friends. And so when I told my brother, I had to tell my sister-in-law. Yeah. So we sat down and I told them. And so it's been, it's like the whole family, like the whole, it's yeah. like a whole family yeah. event uh-huh. almost. And they asked a lot of questions and it was crazy because my brother, it had happened underneath my brother's nose and he had no idea. So like we had to talk, I mean, we had to talk about that. Yeah. But yeah, so that's how. Ugh, yeah. I think like I have some very close friends mm-hmm. who are walking through some similar things like this, yeah. and I think that I don't know why I'm getting emotional, but I feel like there's just this like brokenness is so difficult. It is, and broke this broken world that we live mm-hmm. in. Like it can affect so many people, mm-hmm. um, and so many people can walk away from brokenness feeling as though I could have done more. How did I not know? Or 
what happened. Mm-hmm. I should have been better. Yeah. And I appreciate you talking about it because that's those are lies. The enemy just says, like, mm-hmm. here's a spot I'm going to come in and I'm just going to capture people's thoughts. Oh, gosh. Yeah. And I'm going to make them think things that are definitely not true, mm-hmm. you know? And so I want that to be an encouragement to anyone listening as well is that if you're dealing with this in your home or you're dealing with this a family member, as parents, we need to be diligent. Yeah. We need to be asking questions. We need to be mm-hmm. talking with our kids about these things. Yeah. At the end of the day... This world is really awful. Oh, it's sick. It's, our world is sick. Our world is sick. Our world is sick. And so I'm thankful for you sharing your story yeah. because it's going to be helpful for people who have experienced abuse and for people who have walked alongside friends or children or yep. cousins or whatever, people who have walked through this. Yeah. So I know it's probably not easy. It's not. But you know what? I now tell I now tell friends and family anytime I share. I'm like, you know what? That's darkness. And Satan sits in the darkness. Yep. And he loves the darkness. And every single time I share my story— I give Satan no room to stand because there is light. There is light. There is darkness in my story, but there is redemption Mm -hmm. and there is I am reclaimed and I am light. And so Satan has no room. He has no room in my story. And I think that's the most important thing is that Satan has no room. I Um, love that. And that, you know, it's going to be really hard. It's going to be really, really hard because we do live in a society now that is so dark. We know more of it now because of TV and social media right. that we didn't know mm-hmm. of it then. But the statistics, they haven't changed. Right. It's like one out of four girls before they're 18, one out of five boys before yeah. they're 18. It's sick. It's sad. Yeah. But that's the, you know, those are the numbers. And that might actually be one out of three girls. Yeah. It's, it's really, really uh-huh. sad. Yeah. But yeah, you have to, you have to bring light into the situation and you've got to bring others into that light. Yeah. The more times I share too, man, I'll share with a group of women and there's Literally, I was sitting at Camp Well last yeah. April, and I don't know why I shared. I have no idea. We were talking about something. You, oh, I do know. We were talking about your book because I had just read your book on a road trip to New York City, and I had listened to your audiobook, yeah. and I was so encouraged by you sharing your story. And someone had was literally had your book on the table, and I was like, oh, my gosh, that book. That book, like, really opened my mind on sharing. And all of a sudden, we're just sharing. All of us are sharing yeah. stuff, and I shared my story. And if I had, if I had not shared my story— and the light of the Lord had not literally shone through me uh-huh. and shown freedom. Actually, two of the ladies that were my table would have never said anything. Wow. So that's where I'm careful with my story, but I'm not careful with for my sure. story. For sure. Because I do think there's a time and a place to share. And yep. so there's, you know, there's some places, yeah, I just don't need to share. Yeah. But then there are other places when if I feel a little bit of an inkling of the Lord kind of like pushing me and uh-huh. pushing me, I have learned to not silence that. Yeah. And I will share yeah. because I never know if there's going to be someone sitting at a table at a at an event or whatever, and they're going to hear me talk for the first time. And for the first time, a light bulb clicks off. Oh, my gosh, something ha- something happened like that to me, and I had repressed it for 30 years. Yep. Or, you know, so stuff like that. Yeah, so it's I like, love it. I just, I want, and I'm not on this like, let's go tell the world and make it. But at the same time, I want to make sure that my story is an encouragement um, one, that when bad stuff does happen, you are going to walk out on the other side with the Lord. And I think that's the biggest thing is like you yeah. have the Lord is the Lord's the game changer yeah. in this situation. Yeah. Because I, there are, like I said before, there were times when I wanted to run away from the Lord and yeah. I didn't feel the Lord's love. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, the Lord has always had me in his grasp and he's pulled me. Yeah. And he's pulled me back to yeah. him. So. And I think that's an important message too, because people in the midst, and you can relate to this because you've been there, mm-hmm. people in the midst... They don't see that there could be light on the other no, side. They don't. They, they don't. just feel the dark. And and I love too. It's important for. I love that you're talking about sharing your story. And you've done your work. You mm-hmm. have been in the counselor's chair for year after year yeah. after year. Yep. And you bring so much hope to someone who might just be 
realizing this in their brain or might mm-hmm. just be discovering something. And you can say, hey, I've done the work. Yeah. And that's how I can be here and stand. Mm-hmm. And that's how I'm alive. Yeah. That's how I'm not crumbling yep. is I have done the work with the Lord. Yeah. And here I am. And I think and the thing about counseling, too, is I just want to throw this out there. The very first time I went eight years ago. I sat in Anne-Marie's chair, and I literally asked her because, you know, the logical thinking that I had the time, you know, my head and heartstrings were not connected. Now they totally are, yeah. which is such the Lord being redeemed. But And I asked Anne-Marie, I said, hey, how long am I going to be here? I knew you were going to say that. Oh, how, how long, long is it going to yeah. take? And she goes, well, you know, Stevie, it could be six weeks. It won't be. She goes, it could be six months. I mean, it won't be that. She goes, it's probably going to be a really long process. And I was like, okay, well, like, how long? Uh-huh. And she said, she the very first time I met with her, she said, you actually could be in here for the rest of your life. And I think if it had been a month before, two years before, three years before, and I had heard that, you would have been, been like, ready. no way. I'm out. I'm out. Forget you. But at, clearly the Lord's timing was perfect for that because I was ready. Yeah. And it, I mean, eight years. And I still go. Yeah. I still go. Now I go for like check-ins. Yeah. Whenever I start dating, I started dating a guy pretty seriously a couple years ago, and we started talking about marriage. And I like went back to like check-in and like, I mean, we went into like, deep dive. And so there are there are seasons, you know, it's like the job loss or something like that. Like I would go back in and check in. But at the end of the day, the under there's so much like underlining a part of my sexual abuse, which is the whole reason why I went to counseling. Yeah. But the great thing is that that got me into counseling uh-huh. and now we deal with everything, yeah, I love which that. is so great. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I think that's the biggest thing is that I really want people to know that counseling could be a lifelong journey. And I think there is nothing wrong with that. Yeah. There is nothing. We tell our friends things. And so it's it's almost the same thing. Like, and when you develop a relationship with your counselor, that counselor really does become a friend. Totally. And you are really going to hash things out. And you need to. You need to have a safe place that you can go, that someone's going to ask the right questions. You can go, and then you can leave. Yep. And then you can go back, and then you can leave. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the best part, is that you really do get to leave you get to process, and then you can go back and talk more yeah. with a person who is so incredibly safe, who, like I said, they're going to ask the right questions. Because yeah. your friends and family, they're going to love you, and they're going to encourage you, but they're not always going to ask you the questions that you need to be yeah. asked. Yeah. And it's probably hard to process some things, oh, too, gosh, you know, because yeah, of the pain and stuff. Thank you for sharing that. Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. Truly appreciate mm-hmm. it. Okay, now I ask everyone at the end, yes. what are you loving and what are you reading? Oh, okay. So, And thank you for reading my book, by yes, the way. Yes, your book. Your book was so good. Well, thank you. Like, I like was over here feeling a little honored. Thank you. Yeah. I actually, it was, you were in a podcast with Annie Downs and another guy in Texas, the pastor. Yes. And I listened Luke North, to, I yeah, uh-huh. I was, I listened to that podcast on the way to New York City, literally had just left Nashville listening to the podcast. And I had listened to a couple of your podcasts before, but I had no idea about a book. Yeah. And then you start talking about your book on the road trip, literally bought your audio Oh, you're book. my favorite kind of uh, listener, so, so thank you. <laughs> yeah, and I listened, and I, I listened to it twice. Um, awesome, thank you. On, the, on, the, on that same road trip. Awesome. I listened to it there and then on the way back because it, it just, it was a really well, encouraging you. book. And I'm a fan so. of Campwell too, so. Oh, yes, I love Jen. Yeah, yeah. I love Jen. Okay, so what are you reading okay. and what are you loving? Um, I'm a huge audiobook fan because I wear headphones literally all day in the shop just to protect my ears. So I listen to like fiction, like CIA, FBI. I like, love it. Jack Ryan uh-huh. type of crime. So, and I listen to like two to three books a week. So yeah. it's funny that I don't read two or three books a week, but I listen. It counts. Um, by the yeah, way. it counts. Yeah. So I do that. And then I'm also doing the Bible chronological right now. I haven't, I don't, I don't do it really daily because I'll yeah. forget about it, but it's like my morning routine. Yeah. Um, and then what am I loving? Okay. I love infrared sauna. It's like my favorite thing right now. <laughs> Tell me this because I read that you said that and I don't know what it is. Okay. So it's almost like a pod. So you like lay on a bed uh-huh. and there's a pod that comes up over to your neck 
and you lay there, you lay there naked, uh-huh. and, or a swimsuit, whatever I'm you want to wear. I'm naked. And um, it's just the infrared sauna, and you're going to sweat. And there's different levels. So I like sweating. I love sweating. I mean, if it's appropriate. I don't want to oh, sweat right now. Exactly. But yeah, exactly. Yeah, but yeah. In, the, in the right setting. In the right setting. is amazing. Yes. Yeah. So you lay there for 30 or 45 minutes. I just do 30 minutes because I'm kind of a wimp. Even though I love sweating, I'm like, ooh, I can only sweat. What does this do for you? It is, oh my goodness, the health benefits. Um, you release toxins from your body. It helps blood flow through your body. Uh-huh. And because I stand on my feet all day in the shop, plus I've had knee surgeries, I have aches and pains. And so I want to try this out. You need to. You need. You can also do tandem. You can go with a friend, and I've done it. It's really fun. You're both naked? Yeah, but you, like, you're in your own pod. Oh, you're in your own pod. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I you're was like, okay, this together. is inappropriate. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you're in your own thing. You're in your own pod. And yes, yeah, so you can be talking during. Oh, yeah, right, so like Aaron and I could go on a date. You could go on a date and we do a sweat date. We could be in the same date. pod if we were dating, if, we yeah, were, if we're married. If you're married, you could be in the same pod, <laughs> yes. Although, I will say the pods are very small, so it might be a little comfortable. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, in Fred Sauna, I have, like a, I have a membership. I totally bought a membership, and I try and go pretty much every week, if not a little bit more. Aaron does this thing where he goes and does the saltwater thing. Oh, I haven't done that. Yeah, you float. Yeah, he said it's pretty relaxing. I, what does that do for you, though? I Is don't it just know. relaxing? I don't know. Just relaxing. Okay. I want, like... I think it does something. Okay. Because in the sauna, at the infrared sauna, you burn like 500-something calories oh, in I'm 30 in minutes. Yeah. So, you know, maybe you had a little too much to drink yeah. and ate some pizza the night uh-huh. before. Yeah. Sweat it Sweat out. Sweat it out. Yeah. Okay. You're loving that. What else are you loving? Okay. Um, loving overalls. Okay. This is the season. I wear overalls sometimes in the shop. But I bought a pair of white overalls from The Gap, which of all places, like, but I mean, Gap, They're back. They're back. And I wear them all the time. I guess because they're a little bit loose yeah, and you don't I feel like, like you know, it's summer and clothes aren't sticking to uh-huh. you. So I love overalls. I went, Aaron and I got married in 2001 and I have lots of pictures of me. In overalls. In overalls in that 2000 and 2001. And now they're back. And now they're back. And I'm about to get me a pair as well. And they're stylish yeah. now. Like the backs aren't like the high back. You know, oh, you yeah. have the stylish back. Yeah. And Which is funny because shame. I have pictures of me in like fourth grade and I had some guest overalls mm-hmm. and I thought I was the... You know mm-hmm. what? The business. Did it say guess like down the... Um, I don't even remember, <laughs> but my cousin and I had matching ones. <laughs> and then they were back again in 2001. Yep. yep. Which... Overalls. Moral of the story is keep your clothes. Keep your clothes because it's all going to come back. back. Yeah. The bell bottoms are come back now, oh, yeah? you know? Yeah. Okay. Other thing is freshly mail service. I am so tired from being in the shop most days. Yeah. And so I am a meal planner. Like I do like meal prep, but I'll meal prep on say Sunday and I'll cook like four, like three or four meals right. that I'll eat for dinner. But then freshly delivers literally an already pre-made meal. You just nuke it in the in the microwave uh, for a couple minutes. And they're really healthy and they're really good. You just kind of pick like, no, I don't want dairy. Or I don't want yeah. fish or whatever. Uh-huh. And I eat those at the shop every day. And so that keeps me from eating fast food. Yep. And I just feel, you feel, I mean, you, when you eat good, you feel good. Yep. And so, yeah, Freshly Meal Service. I love it. Maybe they'll sponsor me one day. I need it. They should. Because I eat them literally every week. They should come so, in and do a little video of you in the I shop. Know. And then just taking a break, taking uh-huh. our one break during yeah. the day, literally. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I see it happening. Mm-hmm. Maybe. We'll happening. see. We'll, I would love it. We'll name it right here. Stevie, thank you so much. Hey, thanks so much for having me, Jamie. I, uh, you were my first, what do you call yourself? Woodworker? A woodworker, yeah. You're, but now my hashtag is carpenter. I saw that. Yeah, so I'm a carpenter. You're my first carpenter love on it. the happy hour. <laughs> so you're, you're a trendsetter here on That's the show. Right. So thanks for coming. <laughs> love what you're doing. Thank you. Keep building amazing things. Thank Keep you. investing in the generation behind you. Absolutely. And um, thanks for bringing the light to yeah. a really dark subject. So Absolutely. I appreciate it. Thanks Thank for coming you. on. Thanks for coming. Support for today's show also comes from Life is Good Ping Podcast. 
Join the co-founders of Life is Good, Bert and John Jacobs, as they talk to influential musicians, athletes, business leaders, and everyday people about the role of optimism in their lives. They'll also end each episode with a ping pong charity challenge where the winner gets to donate to the charity of their choice. The Life is Good Ping Podcast kicked off Thursday, June 13th with the legendary Ringo Starr. Subscribe now on Stitcher, Spotify, or iTunes and add some good vibes to your day. Friends, I appreciate Stevie's story so very much. Her honesty and her vulnerability in telling her story for one reason only, that those that hear it would see Jesus and that those would hear it would be encouraged. One of my favorite things was how she talks about bringing violence into the light and sharing with someone. We know that when things are brought into the light is when healing can begin. We talk about counseling. And if you listened at any time before on this show, you know we're fans of counseling over here and finding a counselor that's best for you. She talks about surrounding yourself with a circle of close friends that you can be fully real with and share all of the story with them. And I think that is so beautiful and necessary. I always say stories change the world. And listen, when I say that, I don't mean stories that you stand up on a platform and scream out to the world. I mean stories that you share with your people, your close circle of friends. As a parent, when I was listening to Stevie tell her story, I'm always struck by how the abuser will use terms of, you know, we have a secret and it makes me as a parent think that I need to continue to have these conversations with my kids no matter how old they are about matters of sexual abuse. And I hope that encourage you as well to do the same thing. I'm so thankful for the supportive family and friends that have surrounded Stevie throughout her years of processing and healing. If you have suffered through the loneliness and painful loss caused by abuse, my prayer for you is that you'll be encouraged to share with someone in your life. If you are a friend to someone who has been impacted by sexual abuse, I hope that because of Stevie's story, you will feel better equipped about how to care for your friend or loved one. And once again, the reason that we share these stories on the happy hour is so that we can point more people to the ultimate healer of Jesus. Today's show was edited by Chris with Podshaper and the music was developed for the show by Matt Graham. Show notes are written by Aki Slackers and this whole thing is organized by Lindsay Sweeney. Next week, my guest is my real life friend, Dr. Andrea Holman. Yes, I call her Dr. Holman on the show, even though I rarely ever call her that in real life. But I do often say that Andrea is one of the smartest people I know, and she's a friend that I can call whenever I need someone to tell me just like it is, to shoot me straight. She is a gentle straight shooter when it comes to the topics of race, women in the church, and matters of emotional health. Our conversation is one of my favorites, and I'm so thankful that she joined me in my studio to sit down with me and talk about, honestly, things I'd never thought about before. You're going to really enjoy the show. Guys, enjoy your week. Share the show with a girlfriend. Have a happy hour with a friend. And I will see you back here next week with my friend, Andrea. Andrea.